Happy Tuesday, beautiful people. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. And uh, I think it's going to be like 77 degrees today. So put your sandals on, get your t-shirts out. Let's do it. <laughs> How y'all doing? Oh, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, uh, my tummy's a little verklempt this morning. We hung out at the pizza house last night. No shade to the pizza house, but I ordered a salad because, you know, I can't just order pizza in places that I don't really know. And pizza house is not a place that I normally would have a pizza from because I don't know what they do. So anyway, I had a salad. You know, it was just iceberg lettuce and a, a glop of tuna on top with a smattering of cucumbers and tomatoes. It was the blandest salad ever. And let me tell you something. This morning I woke up, my stomach was like, oh. And then all night I just burped up tuna. <laughs> like all night. All night long. All night. All night. All night long. All night. I'm still burping. So I got up and took some Tums, which helped. Because Tums will, you know, squash the rumbling. I know no one is really concerned about my my uh, my digestive tract, but I'm sharing it because we share on this show. <laughs> We're nothing if not sharers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my tummy is. Uh, I have a as as Winnie the Pooh would say, but I'm not hungry, so it really doesn't apply. I have a rumbly in my tumbly. <laughs> Um, 10, 10, 15, I got those, those, uh, those courageous folks from, uh, culturally lit and the Elm City Lit Fest, you know, her, you love her, Ife and, and team coming on to talk about Diaspora Con, which is, uh, Saturday all day at, uh, Quinnipiac at the law school. So, uh, if you ever want to hang around some black nerds and they are some black ass nerds. You might want to come. It's always a good time. I, I'm telling you, I learned so much the last year that I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm going back for more. I'm going to see what I can get into this year. So uh, once I once I finish with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the LSAT stuff, I'll make my way to, uh, to Diaspora Con and uh, hang out there for a little bit, catch some stuff. And then uh, we'll see what see, see what we get into after that. Uh, well, I got I think I got study group after that, so we'll see. That's a lot going on. <laughs> it is a lot going on. And uh, I tomorrow I got more of the dance people coming on from uh, Schwartzman Center. Uh, more of that dance stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I found that very interesting yesterday. I had no idea Yale had. So much centered dance going on over there. Did you know? I didn't know. But you know, if you ain't, if you're not in the mix, how would you know? How would you know? So I didn't know. Anyway, um, that's that. That's that. That's that. Uh, what else I'm getting into? I'm gonna go hear Nikki and Michael Jefferson, and then you know, chop it up at uh, the law school this afternoon around noon. So I'm gonna go check that out. And then, uh, oh God, there's so many things going on. Uh, Thursday, I'm gonna be at Wesleyan uh, for the um, public safe, reimagining public safety. 
So we'll see how that day goes and what comes out of that. Uh, but if you follow me on, on any of the social media, it's up and posted somewhere. So so if you go and go, uh, but it'll be it'll be a good time. Anyway, uh, let's see what else is going on. I, you know, I get up in the morning. I'm like, oh, I should talk about this. But the day the sun coming through my window this morning was just so unbelievably beautiful. I was like, oh, my God, it's coming. Oh, I took all the pillows off the porch yesterday, the pillows, the cushions. And took them to the laundromat. Took them to House Street Laundromat. High five to House Street Laundromat. That sister in there was so nice to me. And uh, she watched. She let my things hang out until I went to go have dinner with my girls, Ife and Markeisha, and then came back. And, you know, they were still there. I was like, thanks. I mean, who's going to take cushions, though? And why would you? Um, so, cushions. But you know what? Yesterday, when I was at the laundromat, you know, they've got... They got uh they got the numbers on the on the wall to the back of the wall of the laundromat so you could park. So I parked at the very last one and somebody parked so close to me that I couldn't get in on the driver's side. And I think they did it because I guess I parked in their spot, but it doesn't say it was their spot. So I go in the laundromat and the lady goes, Oh, that's his spot. I say, Well, how does anybody know it's his spot? I don't come here all the time. I, you know, oh, because he lives somewhere, I guess. So it was a Cadillac SUV. So it made me so mad. I wanted to just key his car, but I didn't do it. I just got in on my passenger side, scooted over and backed out and moved my car uh, a couple of spaces over. I, I, you know, I don't, people are just assholes. So whoever, it's a red Cadillac SUV that parks behind uh, the number six ninety six uh Howe Street spot. If if anybody knows who that is, tell him he's an asshole. And I said it. Okay, that's it. I said all I'm going to say about it. Because, you know, people just spend so much time being mean when all he had to do, like, there, there was no way to know. There was no way I could have known. I was legit in the parking spot, numbered, and the lines, everything. I had no idea. So it was the lady in the laundromat who told me. She's like, just move over to one spot. So apparently she must know who he is and he must be like a pain in the butt because she was like, girl, it ain't even worth it. Just, you just move your car. You know, I hate that you have to go in the world with people like that. So whoever that person is that parks at 96 House Street behind the laundromat, the space, you are an asshole. I hope somebody, I hope this, I hope this, vibe finds you i hope it does so anyway i'm just saying uh all is well in the world <laughs> all is all is well in the world i'm up i'm doing my thing uh i don't think we have word on the street today uh because hmm, what what's going on lorna what lorena what, what do you want me to say lorena Lorena, oh, New Haven Public Schools. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, this is a PSA? All right, let me let me get to it. I will read it because, you know, I th that's a lot. So I'm, I'm going to put it in there. Give me a minute. That maybe that'll, maybe this will, this will, this will quell my mood. <laughs> so this is from Lorena uh, Vinegas. New Haven Public School students, 
families, neighbors, to today's food. I guess you're inviting to today's food distribution. Groceries for meals during school break. Tuesday, which is today from three to five at Truman School, 114 Truman Street, Lincoln Bassett School, which is where I, this is my neighborhood, 21 Butler. Uh, the Shack in West Hills Community Center, 333 Valley Street, John Martinez, 100 James Street, first come, first serve. And while supplies last, this event is in partnership with the Connecticut Food Share, Loaves and Fishes, Nice, Cathedral of High Praise, Beulah Heights Church, West Hills, Community Center of the Shack, and New Haven Public Schools. I might have to run through there and see what's happening. So, uh, and that's and and that's from the from, this is from the United Way of Greater New Haven. So, so listen, go get you some food. This this will, if you got to go grocery shopping anyway, this will cut down some of what you got to get. Seriously, go get you some food. I don't care what your situation is. You ain't got to walk in there and tell people your situation. Just go get just go get some food. Just go get some food. So if you're in my neighborhood and this is New Hallville, you're at you're at Lincoln Bassett. So you got between three and five. I might, I might, I might, I might just roll by and get me a bag of food. I might. I'm an old lady now. So, you know, if this will cut and listen, they got some black folks in the mix, so I know the food's got some blackness to it. I'm just saying. <laughs> These things are important. You know, the difference between uh cans of beets <laughs> and cans of something I might like <laughs> and whatever else. And I'm sure, uh, listen, this is a good time. So if you are, uh, if you're anywhere in these vicinities, go and get you some food. The New Haven Public Schools, students, families, and neighbors, today's food distribution, groceries for meals, for meals today from three to five at Truman School, 114 Truman Street, Lincoln Bassett, 21 Butler Street, the shack in West Hills, y'all know where it is. That's Honda and them up there in Westville, 333 Valley Street, John Martinez School, that's over there in Fairhaven, 100 James Street, first come, first serve. Come on, get you some food. Cause y'all, you know, you gotta go get groceries anyway. So you might as well get you some and, and that'll, 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 that'll lower what you gotta get. Right. So come on. Or or this might be enough to keep you from going to the grocery store this week. And then you can save your money for next week. You know what I'm saying? So while supplies last. So and this is in partnership with uh, the Connecticut Food Share, Loaves and Fishes, uh, Nice Cathedral of Higher Praise, Beulah Heights, Church of West Hills Community Center. Uh, uh, oh, Beulah Heights Church, West Hills Community Center, uh, the Shack and New Haven Public Schools. Uh, from the United Way of Greater New Haven. So come on, let's do it. Thank you, Lorena. I appreciate that. Public service announcements, what we do. <laughs> we serve the public. So so since they're right there in my neighborhood, I might I might have some time to swing by today and see what's happening. I mean, give me some food. Listen, they know listen. Listen, giving out food is not about. You know, I don't know what people's situation is, 
You know, you might be picking up for somebody who's sick and shut in in your neighborhood, or you might know somebody in your neighborhood, you know, can't get out. Maybe there's an elderly person who can't get out. Maybe there's a young mother with kids who can't get out or who won't be able to get over there. So pick up a bag and take it to them. That, I mean, come on, let's do, let's do it. Let's do it like that. We, we got this. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I might, I might just, thank you very much for that PSA. That put me in a good mood after the guy at the laundromat yesterday. But anyway, the pillows and cushions for the porch are washed. So I'm going to wipe down the porch. Uh, I got to clean the rugs, vacuum, sweep, whatever I'm going to do. Uh, because the weather is going to be really nice. And I do believe uh, we might have opportunity to just like chill. Chill on the porch. Because uh, the weather would be so nice. And then I don't know what happens after that. I know this week, the weather, I think we're going to probably get close to 80 degrees. People are going to lose their minds. Ooh, the weather's going to be too nice. Too nice. A little taste of what summer's going to be like. And it's not even May. Not even May. Not even May. High five. Pretty good. I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty good about that. So anyway, uh, if I was in the studio, I'd play some music. Ife sent us some music this morning. Um, Shaka Khan's, Rufus and Shaka Khan. Uh, you remind me of a friend. And uh, that was such a jam this morning. I, I, I listened to the whole thing. It was good. It was such a jam this morning. Like, and you know, I like a lot of music around me anyway. Like I'm one of these people. I like a lot of music. I like it in my car. I like it in my house. You know, I just like a lot of music around me. I always have been. I, I don't understand people won't got no music on at their house. <laughs> I just don't, I, when I used to come from school, I put the radio on or whatever. And I had a component set, right? Badass component set, records the whole nine, and records, eight track cassettes. And I would just be down there messing around, listening to all kinds of music. You know, sometimes I'd listen to little Moon River, you know, a Andy Williams. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Sometimes I listen to that. Uh, sometimes I listen to uh, the Boston Pops, uh, Tchaikovsky. Swear to God, because we had it. Uh, sometimes I listen to uh, w w w Wilson Pickett. I'm going away to the midnight hour. That's when my love's gonna. So I, I would I would listen to Wicked Wilson Pickett. Uh, I listen to uh oh my god all 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 kinds of people uh because we had such an eclectic record uh record collection you know my my parents had a lot of music we had a lot of al green we love i love some al green listen to a lot of al green uh brooke bitten listen to a lot of betty swan do 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 i never had I love to call my own. I was about to give up. Then you came along just to have your gentle ways. Thrills me for days and days. I don't care what nobody says. I want you for always. And now that I found you, I want to stay around you. Make me yours. Make me yours. Do, do, do. You already have. 
my heart and my soul. Now I want you to take full control, yeah. I need loving and only you can give. If I can't have it, I don't want to live, no. I never had a love so sweet. I never thought I'd be lucky enough to meet a guy with all your charms to kill me with something, something, something to make me feel so warm. Now that I found you, I want to stay around you. So make me yours. Make me yours. Do, do, do. Betty Swan. <laughs> I I twisted up the words in the air because I was like, where am I going with this? And I and I listen, I, I love this record so much. I bought this, I found because it's out of like print. So I found the uh the CD. You know, they you know, you could there's places where you could go, you could find records um that they don't make anymore, but you could find it in CDs. And I, someday I'm gonna find Betty Swan's record. I'm going to go find it. And I might just run over to my little record man. It's like, listen, do a search because I want this Betty Swan. And she was on, she was on money. I think she was on money label. If I can remember correctly, she was on money, but she had on this white, white gown dress gown. And uh, she was in some kind of forest pond thing. Uh, but I just, I just loved Betty Swan. I just, I just loved, uh, uh, Betty, Betty Swan, and uh, I have her CD, which is you know fine, but I really would love to have the uh, the album and hear it. And sometimes when I play my when I play a specific Spotify, Spotify, oldies radio set, it comes up. Oh! <laughs> there it is. You came along just to have your tender ways. Thrills me for days and days. I don't care what nobody says. I want you for always. Now that I've found you, I want to stay around you. So make me yours. Make me yours. You already conquered my heart and my soul. Now I want you to take full control. takes me all the way thank you harry thank you very much I, i'm a huge betty swan fan i used to do concerts in my room dressed up with a towel on my head <laughs> doing betty swan's <laughs> that's how much i love betty swan doing betty swan songs with you know with my bathrobe on and a towel on my head to to, you know, to act like I got long, swingy hair, right? And it didn't matter what color the towel, just long as I could just like, you know, and then hold the brush and like swing it. <laughs> oh my God, I love Betty Swan so much. And if my sister was listening, she'd be like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I used to make my sister and my cousins be my background. 
And we like, get it all in. So yeah, why well, everybody was like, yeah, Diana Ross and the Supremes. And I dug them too. And we played with them too. But Betty Swan, chop. That was everything to me. It still is. Still is. I don't even know if she's still alive, but you know, I, I'm a huge Betty Swan fan. And if she was alive, she was singing somewhere. I would try to move heaven and hell to get to her. Cause I just, I just love it. I mean, that beat, that beat when it comes in, do, do, do. <laughs> now that I found you, I want to stay around. You, so make me yours. Make me yours. But I, I tell you what, though, I, 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 I'm not going to sing I Don't Want to Live. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to sing that part. Like, if I can't have you, I don't want to live. Let me re, let me edit that. <laughs> uh, if I can't have you, I'm going to live and move on and find somebody else. <laughs> I'm going to edit that for you, Betty Swan, because we're not, we not rolling like that. But I get it. Because, you know, because when they were writing songs in those days, you know, it meant everything to like, you know, words meant everything. Lyrics meant anything. So particularly when you listen to that music around that time, like that's that early Motown sound, right? You know, everybody had, everybody was all about the lyrical content. Like nobody, you know, they just put out good lyrics and it told a story and you could follow along. No matter what, it was, even if it was just some, you know, shooby do ba da ba da 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 da, you just could follow along. And this is why I love Motown. I was thinking about this the other day because um, when I was working for Terry Williams, uh, Motown Cafe was one of our clients, and so I got to spend some time with Barry Gordy because they was putting Motown Cafe together, and uh, he gave me the whole compilation of Motown in a cds that hadn't been released to the public and it, it it was never released to the public in in the in the way that he gave it to me it was a special gift i still treasure it i still when i'm in the mood to listen to like all the motown i just pull that track and pop it in my bowls and uh because it's like i don't know like 20 cds in a in a thing <laughs> motown people are like how'd you get that Barry Gordy gave it to me because <laughs> I worked at Motown Cafe. The Motown Cafe didn't last that long, though. It like, but they had all the best memorabilia in there. Like it had, uh, and I think all that stuff is now at the African American Museum in D.C. I mean, you know, they had the Supremes, like dresses from the Supremes. They had um, um, uh, all the all the Motown, the Temptation suits, all that kind of stuff. Like all the guitars by famous people and all the memorabilia albums. And um, so it was, I, I think um, um, there was a couple of restaurants that were themed like that, you know, uh, 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 like the Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Rock Cafe kicked off this whole theme restaurant, right? Um, and so uh, with the success of the Hard Rock Cafe, which I think they're still around, right? Hard Rock Cafe, then uh, you would, uh, you saw uh, Motown, um, the fashion fashion cafe, you know, with just supermodels. The supermodels had a cafe uh, and, a, and a bunch of other, other things had like these themed, themed restaurants, you know, sort of like, you know, along the lines of a Chili's, but themed. Chili's is themed too, but I'm talking, you know, like Motown had a theme, so it was all about Motown. Hard Rock ca Cafe was all about, you know, rock stars and music and that whole kind of thing. So you'd walk in there and be like guitars hanging from the ceiling and albums and Kiss and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just Elvis and all the stuff. 
Um, so, so, but the heart, but the uh, Motown Museum didn't last long in New York, which I think it was ahead of his time. You know, I think it was ahead of his time, and uh, which is which is unfortunate. I mean, I, you know, it was like a burger joint. You know, it was like a burger joint. Yeah, I mean, Motown was all about Smokey Robinson, and uh, I mean, it was just, it was just a, it was just a. That music is still my. Uh, uh it was still it was still it, it that music is still my favorite music no still my favorite music i tell you what i was watching uh i was watching pbs the other night and they had a tribute to Joni mitchell and uh they were they were she was getting inducted into some old the library of something or other for music the 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 library but it was a music thing songwriter thing music i don't know but they do this thing all the time. Uh, and, you know, she has been sick and all this other kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. She got up there and sang Summertime. Now, Joni Mitchell's like 80-something years old. <laughs> you know, 80-something years old. And, uh, and she wasn't well for a good minute. She got up there and sang Summertime. And it was as if she was 20 years old. I mean, it was just lush. And all the people that came and played, you know, Smokey Robinson, he wasn't there, but he, you know, he videoed in. You know, because he's about, he's the same age. They're, you know, her cohort of people, they're all the same age. Her, Smokey, Diana Ross, like they're all, they're all in their 80s. You know, uh, Barry Gordy is like 90. So Quincy Jones, same, all of these cats, you know, and, and let me tell you something, when they start going, they're going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because they're all in that, that's that, that's that, that's that magic cohort right there. All of them. Smokey, Barry, Diana Ross, um, all of them, you know, that was part of that whole time of music. Uh, and uh, anyway, I, I'm such a huge fan of Joni Mitchell. Like she was a white woman that was way ahead of her time too. You know, or maybe she was just, maybe I should say she was just perfect for her time. Because every time I listen to uh, Both Sides now, uh, every year that I listen to it, it becomes more, I, I become more and more understanding of what it is. You know what I mean? Both sides. And and when I'm in my moments or my moods, I listen to it. I listen to it and I'm like, mm, you know, uh, I just listen to it because it's just so prolific. You know, just when I think I know what love is, I really don't know what love is at all. <laughs> well, I kind of do, but uh, uh, but just hearing her sing, it's a very grown-up song, you know, and it ages with you. It's one of those songs that ages with you. And so when I listen to it, I'm like, I'm always, uh, 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 it always makes me reflective about where I am in the world and what I know and what I, you know, wh where am I going? And, and that's the beauty of music for me. That's why I like a lot of music around me um, because music, uh, because I'm a thinking woman, uh, music just feeds into that, you know, uh, particularly if I, if, if there's something that I want to work out in my mind, I put on a particular piece of music to sort of get me to that space. You know, like some people get high, some people, whatever. Me, I put on a good piece of music and, and sometimes I pour a good, pour a good glass or something, or sometimes I don't. Sometimes if I could just, I could just get into uh, uh, a collection of music that sort of gets me to think about things. I don't know what that is. I, I've always been like that. You know, if I wanted to work something out, I know I need some music to work this out. I swear to God, I've always been like that. I think that's what's been my saving grace. 
You know, like some people go to therapy. All right, I feel you. Do that. You absolutely should go to therapy. Um, but for me, it was always just some good music that I could just get into a headspace and and work through whatever was happening. Uh, that's always been. That's why I have so much music, so many CDs, so much music in 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 my. And I always I always got a piece of music for what ails you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I really, and I don't know if people know that about me. I don't know if people, I mean, I think I have older friends who know how much music has meant to me. I think that's probably why I go see so much live music uh, because it's just, it's like therapy for me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just in the music. Um, it's, I find that to be therapeutic and uh, and, and, I, and I, I like it. Uh, I, you know, and, and this is this is what I know too. Like whatever I'm going through, um, the music will carry me through. And then once once, once I'm like, I no longer want to hear the music, I've already cured myself. I've already walked through what I'm going to walk through. And so now it's time for some different music. And, and I'll know, I'll, I'll, I'll just start to know, oh, okay, I can't listen to this again. I'm done. <laughs> Not that I won't listen to it ever again, but for whatever reason that I pulled this particular uh, uh, compilation of music, I, I no longer need it for this, for this reason. So I can let it go and move on to some different music, you know. And then sometimes uh, I have to build, build up to the thing that is like underneath me, you know. I'll start with this kind of music. It's like okay, then I'll build up. Like okay, and then I'll get right to the heart of it. It's like okay, okay, all right. I'm here at the at the pinnacle of this, uh, and then I just linger there for a bit to the music and then I'm like oh all right I got it <laughs> okay I can move I can move on you no know? and everybody should have music that that they can move on from or move with you know if something breaks your heart you should have heartbreak music I think this is probably why these kids are so disparate because they don't got no music to move them through life's changes I'm convinced all their music is just the hard banging, angry, money, sex, drugs. And, and we had all that too. We had all of that too. But we also had music for when your heart was breaking or when you were falling in love. These kids don't have, they don't have that. They don't have fall in love music. If it's falling, falling, if they, if they have fall in love music, it is so wrapped around sexual exploitation, right? And it's just sexual exploitation that that has no tenderness to it, that has no caring to it. That's, you know, oh, you know, I mean, it's just like, let me, let me pound you. You're gonna be my wife, my bitch, and blah, blah, you know. And I and I was thinking about this because I was like, I don't want to be these people that be like, oh yeah, I'm sure every generation says, oh, the kids before the kids after them, the music is trash. I really paid some attention. They do not have tenderness music. There's no tenderness music in the stuff that they listen to. And it's a shame because they got nowhere to take their feelings. They got nowhere to go. When 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 the world is tough, so they they put on that hard driving, uh, gangster rap. I don't even know what they call it now. The dirty dirty whatever it is, it's hard driving, and 
there's no softness. There's no, there's, they don't have no place to sit and be like, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get into a headspace. Let me, let me dial this back. Everything is like, uh, 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 amp, 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 hard, guns, drugs, sex, meanness. Ah, the world is hard. Everybody's mean. I got to get mine before they get theirs. And I was just saying. I grew up, I had, we had, we had funk music, dance music, make love music, fall in love music. Heartbreak music and recover from heartbreak music. <laughs> they don't. They don't have none of that. They don't have none of that. None of it. I and I have listened. I have listened. I have tuned in, and I'm like, well, where is the? And even the stuff that passes as R and B, there's no tenderness to it. You know. Where, where's the Otis Reddings for, for this generation? Who, who is telling them about, you know, uh, you know, go sit on the dock of the bed, waste some time. Who, where, where do they get that? Everything is about these mean streets and how bad it is out here and how I'm a, I'm a F you up. And I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody could shed some light on this and send me some tenderness music that these young people listen to. I, I don't see it. I don't see the tenderness or the or the gentleness or the, you know what, I was made to love her. You know? You know what I mean? Like I where is that? You know, where is the love? <laughs> and and listen, love is not an old-fashioned notion. Everybody falls in love. These young people are falling in love too, but they don't got no music to express what that looks like. You know. If they do, they got to go back a little bit old school to 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 get it, right? You know, but they don't have any of that for the moment. I, who is singing that stuff to them? Who is singing that? You know, everything is hard. Everything is like, oh, I got mine. You get yours. You know, everything is so. You know, and I, I think I think and listen, I'm not so naive to, to say that I think that that will solve the problem. But I dare say it won't hurt the problem. And that I, I just feel like I, I'm always thinking about what was the saving grace for my generation. And I'm 60, right? I, I'm sitting sitting on the cusp of 60. And I can tell you what the saving grace was, that we had soundtracks to our life for every moment of our life that we could turn to when it was tough. And I don't think these kids have, they, they got one lane. They don't got many lanes. They got one lane. <laughs> They got one lane. I had like all, I had highways and byways of music. And if that wasn't enough, we listened to a lot of radio when I was a kid. My mother, my mother, we listened to a lot of radio. So I heard a lot of different kinds of music. Like I heard, I heard John Denver. Sunshine on the water makes me happy. Right? Or whatever, something like that. So I heard a I heard a lot of different kinds of music that could speak to wherever I was. And it wasn't just black music. It was all kinds of music. I, I don't know, unless these kids are musicians, I don't know if they get to sort of listen to 
uh, all kinds of music. They got one lane. And I, you know, I sit on my porch and I listen to the music that the folks play uh, out their cars. And it's just so hard. <laughs> and maybe that's, maybe, maybe because they feel like that reflects their situation. Maybe they feel like that reflects their situation. Um, and, and that's true. But is your only situation hard? Like there's no, there's no opportunity, no wiggle room for tenderness. You know, even if you fall in love, it's hard. Like it's, you know, and even if it's hard, don't you wish? <laughs> don't don't you dream about softness and about? Don't you fantasize about? You know, everything working out right, and we just, and that's the part that I feel most troubled by that we can't even dream. We don't even dream in tenderness. Like we don't even fantasize in tenderness, you know? Um, and I think that, I think that all, I think we ought to gather young people and have that conversation with them instead of having these conversations about where you at, what you doing, you know, and you need skills and you, how, how are we get them into like, hey, how you feeling? You know, what do you listen to when you feeling whatever? And then, and then have them articulate why these words speak to them and 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 how do they dream about what they what their lives could be like you know because i i just think we 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 have we are slowly talk about dream deferred like you got to have a dream to defer it if you don't even have a dream <laughs> woo <laughs> woo and that's 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 and I, I you know and I don't and all to the people who are out there working with young people I'm not trying to simplify I'm not trying to make this like that this is the answer I'm just saying have we ever considered a conversation about how they feel and stop trying to build in all these tools for survival because <laughs> that's what we're doing we're building in tools for survival and and let's have real conversations about you know. How do you know if you fall in love? You know, who do you like? How do, how do they know that they like you? How do you know if they like you like them? How do you know? What do you, what do you, if you, if you taking a chick out for dinner, what, what do you, what you saying? What music are you putting on? If you're about to get busy, what you putting on? You know, and do you concern yourself with how she feels? Um, you know, have you ever brought a girl roses? You know, have you wrote her a poem? And there's some out there who probably are uh, could be in that space if they if somebody would just say there's a space for you to get in with that, get into with that. You see what I'm saying? I, we we don't do enough of discussing opportunities for love and and connection. We we just don't. Adults don't even do it. You know, we go from zero to a hundred and then there's no building. And I know that's a building is a very hotep kind of thing. <laughs> I'm a build with you. I'm a build with you. <laughs> that's probably the only thing I'm gonna take from the hotep nation that I really, I really appreciate the building, you know, because you have to build relationships over a period of time. Yes, um, attraction can be uh can be 
like lightning, right? It could be like lightning. Or it could be a slow burn, you know, that you could tend to like a fire, cultivate, keep putting logs on it, you know, breathing on it. So, you know, the oxygen is, is, is going into all the spaces so that the fire can just evenly burn over a long period of time, right? You know, and, and what do you do with the lightning? You're like, oh my God, I'm, they shocked me into my senses. <laughs> and when you, when you get hit by a lightning bolt, for a little while, you know, you insulated from all sorts of other feelings because that was the one feeling that startled you to the point where you you cannot breathe, you cannot think, you cannot whatever, you know. And then and then it and then it slowly brings you back into a reality, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, you know. I I mean, I know what it's like to be uh, hit by lightning. I I never really enjoyed the lightning the lightning strikes. Now, you know, some people are like, oh, I have to be attracted to them immediately. I never fared well with that because that wears off. And I'm not saying that lightning and long-term cannot coexist. That, that's not what I'm saying. For me, I like a slow burn. I like a building of, of something. I like a spark. I like a little bit of a spark. You know, like you got to have some spark. I like a spark. You know, like when you strike the mat, like a, I like a spark, but I like the, I like the, the, the slow burn. I like a slow burn. I like to build up, you know, I do. I just don't like that. Oh, lightning hit me. And then it's like frenzy and, you know, everybody's breathless and everybody's like, I don't find that satisfying. I just don't. I, ne- I never really did. And believe me, I had my moments of lightning. And, uh, and, then, I, and then I'd be like, oh, gosh. And then you have to untangle yourself from somebody because you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Bye. <laughs> But the slow burn, I'm, I'm a girl for a slow burn because I got so many things that have my attention. I don't like to focus on, I don't, I, I like, I like being able to sort of check in, see what's happening, leave a little something on the fire, come back to it, put more something, something on the fire. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, 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 I'm at my best with the slow burn. I'm at my best, you know, uh, and uh, that that's how I get down. I, I'm I'm a slow burn over a period of time, and it could take a very long time for me to like, whatever. That's fine. That's and I don't. I'm not apologizing for that because there's somebody out there who would like the slow burn and be like, you know what, Babs, I'm with this. <laughs> I'm so with you on this. <laughs> I don't like, I'm not a rush. I don't, I, I'm built for comfort, not for speed. I, I am. I'm truly built for comfort, not for speed. You know, uh, I, I'm slow, but I'm an earth sign too. I'm a Taurus. So there's that. And, and so I, things got to be, uh, and, and I'm not, I know how to make decisions. I'm not a non-decision-making person. Uh, I know how to make decisions and I know how to act rather quickly. So I'm not one of these people that like can't get off the fence. Nope. Nope. Not one of those people. 
Uh, but I, but I, I, I do like a slow burn, and I do like to take my time to get to know people, uh, because I'm, I'm interested in people. I don't, I don't, I don't like to go from zero to a hundred. I'll go to zero to five. Catch you. I'll see you later. You know, I'll be. Yeah, I'll see you. You know, we get back around. Go do your thing. I'll do my thing. We get, we get back up. We stay in communication though. We stay talking to each other because you get to, you get to know somebody. You get to know, oh, yeah, yeah. And before you know it, six months, a year has gone by, and you you know them. You're getting to know them, you know. You get to know them. And then uh, and, and you, you put a little time in, put a little time in, a little time without, without commitment. I think I, I, I'm not so fast to be committed to somebody, but I am committed to knowing somebody like let me get to know you see what happens you know see see if see if this got some merit or whatever and sometimes it doesn't and all right <laughs> okay all right all right i'm 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 far from um leaving bodies in my wake those days are behind me i i don't i don't leave bodies in my wake anymore i i don't i don't got that I don't have the energy for that. What 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 I will say is uh um you sort of get to know people and and then they sort of fall out where they fall out. They sort of get into a, a space and and uh hey, I'll see you next next time or we'll catch up another time or or uh we'll chop it up again soon or whatever, you know. Uh and and I've got a lot of great relationships uh that I value like that you know uh people who i just enjoy their company and, and their time and what's on their mind um and and who give me just enough of a spark they'll be like all right we could we could dance around under the sheets a little bit <laughs> you know and then there's some people you just like you know what i like to keep you over here i like i like for you to be in this space because this space is a private space and, and I like it, you know, and then there's some people you like, oh, come on, bro. let's rock with me publicly. Let's do some stuff, be seen, hang out. That's cool too. I like that too. So anyway, but uh, I, I want somebody to ask these young people about, you know, the kind of music that sets them, that, that walks them through the stages of their life. You know, I think that's pretty important. And I, and I think if you ask my generation and and then 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 the younger folks, younger people, uh, uh, you know, young when younger, I mean like people in their forties and thirties, you know, what was the music that got them through? You know, um, what what do they listen to? And I think it'll it'll play out. I think urban kids and urban, I mean like black urban kids, I think have a different. Music, musical taste, and it was true when I was a kid, right? There was black music that I listened to, uh, but I but I also had access to white popular music, which I don't know. I don't know if kids now have access to white popular music the way that I had access to white popular music because when I was a kid, um, there was black stations. Well, there was like a black station. But there was other stations that played black and white music, so you could you could you could hear 
all kinds of music, you know. Like you could hear you could hear all kinds of music. Um, and and when I was a kid coming up, black stations played a lot of interesting like they played a lot of jazz. They played uh, a lot of few, you know they just played different kinds of music. I, I don't know what kids listen to now. I mean, I know what they listen to, but I don't know if the stations that they listen to or 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 if they're if they're allowing themselves to stream a comp a, a mix of music. Some, I think some, those who are really into music and musicians, I see it with them. You know, like Margot and her crowd, they like a lot of different kinds of music. But then she was raised listening to a different, lots of different kinds of music. And then she kind of found her own sort of music. Uh, but she's not, she's not like, I wouldn't say she's like every kid, you know, uh, that listens to music. Like I, I dare say, I don't know, my son Gregory, you know, he listens to a lot of hard pounding music. You know, I might have a conversation with him. Be like, what are you, what are you listening to these days? What are you digging? <laughs> I, I know he'll be like, is this a trick question? Because, <laughs> you know, there's music that he will listen to that he won't allow me to listen, not allow me to listen to, but there's certain kinds of music that he won't play around me. Because it's such a hardcore bunch of music that he's like, no, mom, you're not going to like this. <laughs> and I remember when he was in high school, he'd be like, no, mom, you're not going to like this music. <laughs> I was like, Gregory, what? Oh, you're not going to like this music. <laughs> he's like, uh-uh, oh, you're not going to like this music. And, uh, and then he wouldn't play it in the house. If I came in the house, he would just like, Turn the music to something else. <laughs> I and I remember those those. I was like, well, what is wrong with that music? He's like, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna like it. You know, and the minute I hear the lyrics, I was like, yeah, you're right. I I don't I don't like to be referred to as that. You know, I don't I don't want to be handled that way or talked to that way or, you know, um, and so, so yeah. So yeah, so I think I've answered my my question, but I but now that he's twenty four, I could revisit with him. And say you know, and he was just here last night. So next time I see him, I'm like, hey, what are you listening to these days? What's you know what what are you up to? You know, musically, what do you like? And, uh, and I'll have him send me. I, you know, maybe I'll send him a text and like, hey Gregory, who's what's the playlist you've got going on right now? And I, I might try to drag myself through it because. Because I know it'll be, you know, and I and I wanted to be honest. Like, don't send me stuff that you think I might approve of. Tell me what you are like. What's on your playlist? What are you digging? So, but anyway, with that said, I'm gonna take a break. I'll be back with the Diaspora Con folks, Ife, and all the folks from Culture Lit, and a little bit of Elm City Lit Fest. But Diaspora Con is happening on Saturday. And uh, you don't want to miss it. It's such a great lineup. So uh, I'll be right back. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Thank you. 
FM New Haven. Oh, my God. 
back to the second hour of Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs Ross Ivy. I'm here with people I really actually enjoy. <laughs> hey, Ife. Hey, Good morning, Juanita. Babs. Hey, Dr. Foster. How are you? Good morning. Unmute yourself, Dr. Foster. Oh, I could unmute you. I think I could do right. it. Better? Yes. So this is the DiasporaCon team. DiasporaCon is happening this Saturday from what, 10 to 5? At, at Quinnipiac Law, uh, Law School? Yes, indeed. Yes. And this is the second annual? Yep. Yes, it is. All right. Tell me what we in for. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Well, this year we um, have a, a collaborative partner in the East Coast Black. <laughs> Am I getting right? It's Ekbok. East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention out of Philadelphia. Dr. Foster was one of the founders of that. Or of course the- he was. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that he does not do? Oh, beg for mercy. I'm going to go ahead and go. <laughs> All right, so this is the second annual. You did so well the first time. You said, well, we'll go back. We'll do it again. Talk a little bit about that. Talk about the need for this. So our theme this year is history and literacy. Mm. Um, We want folks to know about the opportunities and the history of Black folks in in the comic book industry. And literacy because um, some things, sometimes the first book a, a, a child picks up is a comic book or graphic novel. And if that's how you gotta learn to read, if that is how you follow a story, we were all about promoting that. And that's oh, why Ekbok is also um, one of the, the major partners in this. And it, this evolved from our first Lit Fest with Dr. Forster put together an illustrious panel virtually <laughs> back in 2020. And um, th- just, just doing research and finding out there's momentum for this. And let's just do one Let's just do it a separate from Lift Fest. Let's do it a con. So here we are. Listen, I learned so much last year. I was, I sat in and I, I learned so much. I had no idea that Connecticut, that New Haven in particular, places in Connecticut are foundational to this whole graphic novel universe. I had, I had no idea until I, I sat in on a panel. I think Dr. Foster, you were like wrangling and I had no idea. I, mean, I learned so much. Uh, that it's just a little known history. And now graphic novels are like everybody, like everybody and their mother has a graphic novel now with any, if you have a book worth its, worth its pages, you have a a graphic novel component. Talk a little bit about that, Dr. Foster. And then Juanita, I want you to talk a little bit about your role in this, because I believe you're responsible for the graphics, which are a little bit, which are (laughs) stuff. I I think I'm going to need you to make me a, a a artificial superhero person. (laughs) Uh oh, now let's start it. The history of what we've been through, where we come from, it's interesting that when comic books started, like at the turn of the century, when comic strips were turning into comic books, um, you saw images of us, but not images that we would have promoted. And you don't really see our hand in it until the 1940s. I've been collecting those for years. I met a number of the, the original creators, and they were so generous. And with the work that they created, uh, Bert Fitzgerald, who used to live in uh, Yonkers, created a series called uh, Golden Legacies, which everybody told him nobody would buy. 
but he never gave up. He went to churches, he went to social organizations. He went to a supermarket chain and they promoted his books. And from there, it just took off. He wouldn't give up. Um, I was fortunate enough to have him come to my college and visit my students. They ate him up with a spoon because he spoke his mind. He told exactly what the history was like, loved it. Connecticut, of course, has the reputation for being the home of the distribution point for all comic books in America. Some of the first mm -hmm. artists were here. Um, when people got successful in New York, first place they moved to was Connecticut so they could commute back because um, it was just a place to hang out and a place that promoted art. Uh, the number of African-Americans you find in this is just amazing. I'm just, for this presentation I'm making on Saturday, I just went back through my collection and I found Still I Rise by Roland Laird, who was originally from New York, an amazing book. And I read that book years ago, but I went back and reread it. And the number of facts he included about who we are and how we got where we were step by step in this country is just stunning. Um, Golden Legacy, Still I Rise, um, classic illustrated comic books, which I think you guys might know of because all the great classic books were turned into comic books. So the original basically for graphic novels and they had the last book in the series was Negro Americans. The last one in the public series when it first came out and it's one of the best I've seen. You can find these if you're as patient as I am in other printed in other books as individual segments, one or two pages, four pages max, but they include everybody, scientists, politicians, soldiers, States, oh, it was just amazing. And it's still available, so people can still find it. Uh, I'm gonna shut up now and let somebody else have a word because I I could go all day. <laughs> so so Juanita, so much of graphic novels is the illustration of graphic novels. Like it's not just, um, let's just make a cartoon doodle. Like mm -hmm. this is high-end artistic expression. Talk a little bit about, as someone who is a curator of this kind of uh, artistic expression, talk a little bit about uh, the thinking around this and, and why it's so vivid and why it's so um, futuristic. Because sure. Oh, go ahead, sis. I'm sorry. Jumped in. <laughs> do, do you want to have a, a point on that you want to you wanna take away? I want to hear your voice. I know what my voice sounds like. Okay. So yeah, um, I'm happy to be on the Culture Elite team um, this year and helping with the second annual DiasporaCon. Um, so as you mentioned, I handle all of our graphics um, for Culturally Lit. Um, and then so with DiasporaCon this year, you know, I really wanted to create something bold, striking, like you said, futuristic. And we have so many cool tools out there now. And I, I use AI to be able to create those, those superheroes that we see on the graphics out there. And I think one of the most beautiful things now is that we're able to create imagery that's reflective of us. Um, and one of the beautiful things about graphic novels and comics is like, yes, we get the story, but having those visuals, I think is so important. Having that, seeing that representation of ourselves um, in comics, I think is a beautiful thing. I imagine, um, you know, little kids when they're going into the bookstores now and in a library, being able to see all of these different books that are reflecting them as superheroes, as these different characters, you know, that's really um, able to open their imaginations in ways that, you know, may not be able to just from a traditional book, you know, and that's the importance of graphic novels and comics. It allows, it allows people to, to learn and intake literature in a different way. Um, we all intake information um, in, in different ways. So having that 
as you said, so many books now have that graphic novel component. Um, it's important to be able to, to share stories in ways that touches people um, in the way that they intake information. I think graphic novels and comics do that in a beautiful way. Um, I think it opens our imaginations to, to different places and worlds that um, we may not traditionally get to see in our in our day to day lives. So, Ife, when you when you when you think about planning for this, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, gra graphic novel is very new to me, and but I but I know that the universe is very wide. So, how do you how do you narrow down exactly what you put into this into this uh, into this into this day? Because I mean, you could go in fifty million different directions, but how do you narrow down what's what makes sense? Well, first of all, the blessing is to have an intergenerational team. Mm. <laughs> okay. It's like we got the young historian. and old alike. <laughs> okay, we got the historian, and then we have I have the young people that keep me up on the things, and I'm so grateful all the time. I can't express to them enough. Um, but in, in, in thinking about the um, banning of books in these mm -hmm. certain states in, in, the, in the United States, thinking about spending time as a substitute teacher at Hill House and like looking at literacy levels all around in every school system and all, all over the place. It was just like, um, what better way of, of dealing, of, of, of um, addressing an issue and also having fun than a graphic novel and also spending a lot of time in possible futures and seeing <laughs> like so many books coming out for yeah. people of color, of all colors. And then like, just from, like I said, the first time um, we had the, the panel, the comic and graphic novel panel at the first Lit Fest four years ago, um, the, the team of people that um, Dr. Foster put, put together and, and then doing more research on like, like, you know, John Lewis had a graphic novel out about the walk, like a whole series. I, I have, I, uh, Andrew's mother yeah. gave me the whole collection. So right. I have the whole collection. <laughs> um, what okay. great, what, what, a, what, what a wonderful way of having using this as a tool for learning. Like yeah. when I remember when, when Raven was, was young, when she was like in third or fourth grade, your server Margaret Andrews did um, the, her, I believe her third and fourth grade curriculum based on Harry Potter series. So the kids are reading Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series and learning things, Hogwarts things, but it, it incorporated math and science and like I just feel like it's a it's a win-win. And and then for adults to come out, because there's a lot of adults that collect yeah. comics. And we will have a lot of vendors. We have we have some vendors that have some good stuff. Last year the vendors did very well. People came away with with some good things. So yes, yeah. So Dr. Foster, talk about the future of this of this genre. Cause it seems like it's exploding. Like, is there any any realm where graphic novels can't be like I mean and and is there a danger of too much well you know it's interesting um if you go back by decades um when jazz music was very popular and people always wanted to call it primitive music don't listen to that don't don't you dare dance to that then rock music came out all oh, this stuff is the devil's music is going to end we don't want to do that 
there's only two types of music, you know. <clears throat> and then you have uh, the '60s, where you know, when it was soul, and 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 there was a lot of blending of different styles, and it just keeps punk. It just kept changing. So the idea is that whenever something was new, someone wanted to tell you what was bad about it, but no one told you what mm -hmm. was in inclusive about it. The number of stars who just went from one genre to the other. Aretha Franklin has been around since the soul era and name up a, if a musician who doesn't love her and her work. You know, uh, Marvin Gaye, now that they're doing stuff now to talk about what his life was like and how he changed from just doing straight R&B to going doing, doing more soulful stuff and stuff that was relevant to what was happening in the world. There's always a possibility that we can include something and learn something and expand mm. on it. My young sister said, hey, I, I know my eyes popped in my head. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> young folks, cutting edge. And when you see how a, the image has changed, how an image can be perceived and a story can be pushed a little further, Disney has done amazing stuff with that. You know, that they took, they started off with one of the first full color animated features. But now think about the full realm of, that they cover and they cover different ethnicities, you know, Native American, Asian, um, you know, Puerto Ricano, you know, and it's like and the stories are told by people who can who had never thought about those areas or those groups as being having stories that have some meaning to us. So we are on the cusp of like just discovering a whole new place to go. And also the opportunity. I want to emphasize the opportunities for people of color in the industry. Like it's blowing up. Everybody went to see um, Wakanda. Everybody like last year, we were fortunate enough to have like one of the famous creators in, in Hollywood, John Jennings, um, as a keynote speaker, as well as like Michael Jai White, who played the first black superhero. Like there's and who will be having a movie studio publishing all that right available here so so when when folks when young people start looking at opportunities for their future and 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 we start thinking about building legacy and telling our stories what better way to do it and then through this genre mm. so uh uh lauren anderson who owns possible futures dropped into the chat and said such an important literary format it's really telling uh, that a book like Stamped by uh, Ibram mm. H. Kendi is coming out in graphic novel form and the demand for graphic content is huge. So uh, I, I'm going I'm to have a conversation with you in a minute, Juanita, but Dr. Forrester, um, how does this how does this work in the academic world when Ooh. you take when you take somebody <laughs> like a, a, a public intellectual like Ibrahim uh, H. Kendi putting his work in graphic novel form? Does that elevate the academic um, uh, uh, movement mm. does it, or does it cheapen it? It's interesting. Like I was saying, you always have somebody who's suspicious and doesn't come along because they think they might lose something. But at the same token, I've been going to comic book conventions done by academics for years. And it's always, and we were kind of at the beginning, we were kind of like the the stepchild of, of, the, of the shows because we were like involved <laughs> in the actual industry and people are, yeah, comic books. How droll. And, you know, <laughs> and I never got offended by that because I said, it's coming around and you will find out. And the number of people I know who are both in both fields are just, it's just stunning. Um, so I've been thinking about something basic like the Bible, one of the best selling books in the entire world. How many versions of, as illustrated and graphic novels have been done from stories from the Bible? And I was raised on the Bible. So I was reading those first and foremost. Um, there was a, 
I'm thinking about a, book, a picture book from the 1930s about the story of Jesus. I had never, I'd heard those stories all my life, but it never was more illuminated than that book. I fought to find that book. I actually did find a copy because I kept kept looking, it wouldn't give up. But also I was interested in science. Um, I was telling Ife about when I was in seventh grade and our professor in the class was saying, teacher was in class saying, okay, I'm gonna give you the properties of a metal and I want you to tell me what the metal is. Who was the only kid in class who could raise his hand because I'd read a comic book called The Metal Men. I knew exactly what the properties <laughs> were. And he would look at me oh, like I was an alien, you know, but he was stunned. And I said, and he asked me at the end of the class, he didn't ask me doing it because I said I was reading the comic book. And he just, mm-hmm. He, he didn't give me a hard way to go. He said, well, you get the information and what you do with the information is up to you, but you need to get it first. So mm. I think wherever we go, we're going to find opportunities. Great art has been duplicated in graphic novels. I have a buddy who just finished a graphic novel. I had to bite my hand at the end of it because the ending was, what would happen if a machine was invented that we could talk to God? Oh, I put that right in the same place as, as black Jesus is what would happen if Jesus came back as a young black man? Now people would have a difficulty believing that until he gets caught on a camera. Everybody's phone's got a camera saving four kids from drowning in a, in a car that didn't have a driver in it. He walks across the water to grab the kids and bring them back. He's trying to stay out of the news and people are losing their minds trying to find out where Jesus is today. And they only did one issue and I'm still waiting for that second part to come out because he just kind of, everybody wants them. Black preachers want them, um, drug runners run them, everybody, the government wants them. And he's trying to just be what Jesus was. I'm just a man doing what God mm. has given me the idea to see, to do. It's amazing. So the, the openings are just outrageous and we just kind of have to open ourselves to the possibility. Lose something, mm, I don't think so because everybody's teaching what the new processes are and you're taking the old stories. That's what we're doing. You take your story, that's what people tell people about want to write a book. Your story, your words, this old format, make it as, as anything you want it to be. And mm. when people give me a hard way to go about um, the material and the subject matter I read, I take a quote from Sidney Poitier from a movie where he was a African revolutionary. And the guy was saying, so have you read uh, Chairman Mao's Little Red Book? He said, yeah, but I also read Winnie the Pooh. That doesn't make me a, a bear. You know, and it, it was the, the quickest and most affectionate way of saying that what I read and what I do with it, it's up to me as an individual. It doesn't automatically convert me to anything, you know, so people who are afraid of that, you know, because our parents were taught to be afraid of comic books. They're going to turn us all into juvenile delinquents. You know, uh, my mother destroyed my entire collection when I was a kid. I had to go back and recollect it because it was the, the word was and, you know, for everybody, this is going to, you know, you see how our kids are out of control and this is a, a major cause of it, which was not I true. I will tell you this. When I was younger, I didn't read comic books like like a lot of people did. I, I was aware of them, but uh, but I, I had a snob attitude. I didn't feel like it was it was legit, lit, you know, uh, literary pursuit. So I so I never really got into. It. I mean, I I took a side like I like DC, Marvel, that kind of thing. Uh, but but right now, this graphic novel uh, world is really sort of finding its place. So, Wendy, I want you to talk a little bit about why is um, AI and graphic novels so easily married. What is it about the genre that is attractive to the AI community or AI uh, artists? Do we call AI folks artists? Artists? AI artists? I think it. I think it depends on the person. Um, but I at least think for me, as someone who is a creative um, 
AI allows me to generate the all the images and ideas that I have in my head, right? As someone who's not an illustrator, I can't I can't draw something. I can't paint it, but I have these ideas, I have these concepts, right? And so being able to use a tool because that's the way I see AI as a tool, as a tool to be able to get those ideas and concepts from my head down into a visual form um, is something that's amazing for me. And thinking about, you know, the why it works so well with the graphic novel and comic book industry is, you know, way most of them are worked. You have these, these panels or sections in, in a graphic novel or a comic book. And so being able to use something like AI to describe that, that, that section or that, that image that you're trying to see um, in this, this short amount of description. So taking little words and turning them into an image, right? How, how, how well does that work with, with graphic novels and comics? Um, having those, those images and those, and those words and then being able to, to visualize that. Um, I see it as a good tool for storyboarding, for ideation. Um, so even if, you know, I would hope that your final form of, of your graphic novel or comic book, you know, you work with traditional artists, but being able to like start a story and then have these, these images that help, you know, further it along, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful tool and it, it can work really well for that. So if they talk to me about why it's called diaspora con, cause that's, that's a very specific, very, that's very specific. Yeah, Ife, what about that? Yes, it is. Because just like Elm City Lit Fest is a celebration of literature of the African diaspora, cause we lit like that. <laughs> Diaspora con as again when um in, in thinking about this, like um one of the uh, Julius Julius um who was uh formerly on with us um and moved to New York, he used to go to cons all the time. And um he he would say, you know, there's not many of us at the con. So like we're sprinkled in in betwixt and between everybody. And um and then I found out about the Schomburg Comic Book Festival, the Boston Black Book Festival, Ekbach, all the, all the cons that are around people of color. And I was like, okay, uh, it's the diaspora. If we're part of the diaspora, there's like, um, we have a Latino brother coming up from the Bronx, um, Bronx superheroes that's going to be... Um, a vendor as as well as a presenter um and so what we're just finding out that there's so many colors so the diaspora is represented it represented at our con and our con is not a convention it is a conference because um the difference is the 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 panel discussions and the workshops and more focused and really focus on the opportunities i really want to emphasize that i want to this, this event annually to grow into something where people could come and network and be and get jobs or or find out where the opportunities are in this industry for if, if that's your interest. So mm-hmm. that's what Diaspora Con came from, because this is diaspora. <laughs> I like that. So so back to Juanita. So Juanita, you've made uh, you've made a, a interesting point that you're like, you know what? I don't draw, I don't sketch, but I could use these tools to create everything that I'm imagining in my 
in my mind. Isn't isn't that art though? Isn't that and oh, and I, is AI becoming a legitimate art form? Ooh, that's always going to be a tough um <laughs> question. I think I think people don't realize it's harder than than it is to actually make a good AI image, right? People are like, oh well, it's it's doing all the work for you. You know how many hours you can spend trying to input prompts to actually get an image that you know is usable. And then a lot, what a lot of people don't realize again, because it's a tool, a lot of people who are digital artists may take that AI and then put it into Photoshop or pull it into Illustrator and further edit it and further use digital tools to really craft that image that you are that you are trying to make. So I definitely think there is a lane for AI art and AI artists. Um, because again, as I said, it's just a tool, it's just one way to, as you say, creatively express yourself um, and you can do so many different so many different things with it um, so I'm I'm interested to see how it's continued to be used within the art world and how perceptions of it change within you know 10 years as Mr. Foster said anytime anything new comes out everyone's talking about oh the bad of it or this is terrible this is going to ruin the industry um, and then you know 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, it's, it's, it's a staple, you know, within, within that, um, within that genre. I think about digital photography when that came out, right? I'm sure a lot of the, um, you know, um, film photographers, you know, stuff their air up to digital photography and all those things. And now people are cell phone photography, you know, people <laughs> look at that, but people, you know, can do whole photo shoots with their phone. They can cell phone movies. movies with their phones that have won, you know, Oscars, right? And so just looking at all these new tools that come out, you know, there's always that that cycle of like, oh, this is terrible. This is, this is cheap. This is not true art. And then you see people who are true artists, what they can take that tool and, and turn it into and use it for. So I'm excited to see what comes out of it. So, Dr. Foster, is uh, graphic novels showing up in syllabuses across college campuses? What is happening? Yeah, I mean, is that a reality? Is that going to be acceptable? What's? Oh well, I, when I was still teaching, um, I had a graphic novel class at my college, um, and my students couldn't get enough of it. And they were—I'm telling you—they couldn't. No two students in my class had the same background, and they were sharp as tacks. I was like—I I had to keep up with them. I brought artists in. We. We looked at different graphic novels. We talked about theories. Is this appropriate to bring in? What do you think about that? And they were ahead of me. And the papers were stellar at the end of the semester. I was very happy that they produced it. And they would say, you got another class? I said, no, no, this is it, get out. Uh, but, and I would invite artists in to talk to them about the process and the storylines and the characters. It, it made my day and they were right there with it. And I do want to mention um, Quinnipiac does have i think a class in car in cartoon creation or something like that and also um southern so there's I, I, and there are certain schools that are building momentum around the industry like this again that's why we want to we want to get on the forefront of the opportunities for folks yeah. and, mm. and bring and, and it's a it's a whole family like Bring your family. We're gonna have, <laughs> we're gonna have workshops. Juanita is leading a panel discussion on women in cosplay. I was gonna oh, I was gonna ask about is there some room for for women in this industry in some fashion? And 
Yeah, so there's, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, in addition to comic books and graphics, what else kind of fills the industry or fills that field? And thinking about cosplay, which is something I'm interested in, which is heavily influenced by, obviously, comic books in that world. So um, having that panel, bringing in some women that um, that focus in cosplay and, and talking about their experience, right? being women in this in this industry, talking about their influences within comic books and graphic novels, I thought could be a really fun conversation and a way to to bring women and their perspective into into the conversation as well. The amount of creativity in cosplay too is amazing. The the work that people put on individual costumes, you know, it's just a, you can buy a Superman suit, but you can't buy one with a black superhero you created. So you come up right. with that. So it's it, it makes me think of Mardi Gras and and the care that indigenous folks in the Mardi Gras world make costumes just for Mardi Gras. Like it makes me think about that that kind of commitment to to creating something. Um, that says, "Listen, this is this is this is what I'm representing. This is who I am." So, so if I run down the day, what's what can we expect? Like when I show up on Saturday, and I won't get there till after I get out of class, uh, about one o'clock. So, run, start the day. What how, what do we start with? So we start the day. Um, Don Sawyer and I will welcome everyone, of course. <laughs> um, um, Quinnipiac, our host in the Department of Global Diversity, there. Um, and then uh, the first panel at 10.30 will one of the first plan because we're in two spaces. So the first panel will be women in cosplay. And then Raheem Nelson will be in the other room doing um, graphic recording. So like taking notes graphically, however he does. Raheem is so talented. That's so interesting. Last year he did a fascinating talk on NFTs. I so know, I was... <laughs> Yes, I'm, st I'm still trying to figure out that whole world, but okay. <laughs> um, and then we'll have um, T.C. Ford, um, who is also another uh, Connecticut historian of all things in comics, um, talking about crafting comics. He has a publishing company and does his own comic book. And um, Shankar Davis from Ekbok, the East Coast Black um comic conference he's going to do a stars workshop which is storytelling that advances reading skills ah that is so cool so like students teachers i hope you know we get people out there um and then we'll have a lunch break where people can do vendors and chill out and um then we have uh superhero creation like a, a workshop to create your own superhero Ooh, um, and and that will be with Yumi Odom, who is also from Ekbok, and then New Haven's own um, Reggie, Reggie Augustine, who's a who's a teacher at Hill, art teacher at Hill House, and also has been out here making his um, comic books and stuff for a long time. He'll be doing storyboard creation, um, and then um, we'll have creating your brand with um, Ramon Campos. He's out of um, Queens, he's as High Five Studios. They produce um, comic books, they do publications, all that. And Ray Felix, Bronx Superheroes, um, who does that. So they both have companies in New York and throughout the country, and they do stuff throughout the country. So they'll be on a, um, they'll be selling stuff and doing a workshop on creating your brand. And then we have a blurred panel, the Black Nerds. Hey, <laughs> that would be Josh Brown. 
Latif, Juice Man Cosplay, and Queen. I don't I, I don't know how to say Queen's rest of her name. How do I say it, Juanita? I think, it's a, I think it's just Alexi. Alexi, okay. <laughs> and then we will finish the day with our own Professor William Foster with the keynote ending. And that's going to be our day. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a, and that's lunch a is included. Lunch is included with your ticket price. We like okay, that. So we got to get people, people got to register on our website, on our Facebook, all that good stuff. Lunch is included y'all. I like that. I, so this is a full day. This is a full day. Last year was a full day. People were excited. People learned a lot. I learned a lot. Like i like I really learned a lot. And people stayed all day. That's what I was like. Yay. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so there was a lot of young people. I saw a lot of young people yeah. Yeah. who were just like, so, so you created a space for people to come um, because where else would they go get this? They'd have to travel far and wide to sort mm -hmm. of be in these spaces and, and to touch these people um, who are, who are bringing this good information. So, mm -hmm. um, so uh, what do y'all want people to take away from the day? Each one of you, give me a sense of what do you want people to take away? And then we'll, we, because we, we're, we're starting to wrap up this conversation, but give me a little sense of what you want people to take away uh, from the day. And, and yeah. Uh, Ife, you want to go first? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, since mine is talking about um, history, I want to have people having a sense that we as, as people and the images of people of color in, in comic books have changed so dramatically. There was a time when we did not have a voice in those creations. And now we definitely do. The number of sisters who are involved in the creation just breaks off. Oh, everything that they, they touch, they're telling stories that you know have never been told, sadly. But now I'm glad that that's happening. And to say, we always had a place in it. We always had people who were interested in making sure that our images were reflective of what we say we are, as opposed to what somebody else says we are. And that our imagination was as fertile as anyone's, you know, and that goes back to storytelling that goes back to Africa. So the idea is that this is a chance to kind of remind people that no, don't, don't lose hope, don't lose faith, you know, don't lose heart. Uh, we are here and we're coming on strong even more. Black Panther uh, is just, when I went to see the first movie and I went to see it with a mixed race audience, and it was one of the few times I'd ever been to a movie where everybody's emotions were on the same page. They gasped the same places. They were quiet the same places. They cheered the same places. I said, something's been tapped into here. And I think that's going to be exciting to see where that goes. Mm. Same for this particular conference. Juanita. Yeah, I will next. Um, I think what I want people to take away is that there is space and place for us in this industry. Um, we're already here, as you know, um, Mr. Foster has said, we have been in this industry um, for years, but now it's really our time to, to, to run away with it. Um, there's so much opportunity and, and it's just a wonderful industry for us to release our, our creativity that we know we, we have the most of, right? Um, and so this, there's space, there's place, and there's opportunity, and it's here for us to take. And I would like people to go away with the, the, the sense of the history and legacy that we have in all things and to and, and get a sense of you can create your own thing. You don't have to like all these workshops. These people are showing you how to stimulate your mind and create what you want to see and what you want to do. Like our, our my beloved Toni Morrison said, 
write your own book. <laughs> if you don't see the story you want, write your own book. And that is what DiasporaCon is about. That's what LitFest is about. We have to see our own. And, mm -hmm. and whether young and old, like some, I know we know some old folks, some elders and adults that don't read, right, Babs? Yes. <laughs> A graphic novel is picture book for adults. <laughs> <laughs> All yes. right, so before we go, um, I I cannot let you go without telling us when uh, Elm City Lit Fest kicks off. Elm City Lit Fest is September Saturday, September 9th. and more to come because we will be um, announcing uh, New Haven Poet Laureate in in a collaboration with New Haven uh, New Haven Tour uh, Tourism and Cultural Affairs and also Diaspora Book Awards. So that news will come after DiasporaCon and after we get back from the birthday celebration in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> I get back. So, so Saturday, make your way out to Quinnipiac. It's a beautiful campus. It's very easy to get to. Ample parking, free ample parking which and is, the North which is always campus. my pet peeve like where are we gonna park well Quinnipiac has ample parking and exactly. it's a beautiful North state. Haven campus please go to the North Haven campus yes. 370 Bassett Road in North Haven it's a beautiful building that got a little fake lake behind it with, du <laughs> with, with ducks in it and stuff it's pretty is that the law school right is that the law school that the law school, law nursing school. school. yep yeah yeah so yeah so yeah and uh how much are the tickets 25 dollars on on our website and um on our website facebook. and our facebook page yes Go you want to give that address to people so they can find it online culturallylit.org culturally yes, with, a, with a k culturally a k. with a k yes so well i so appreciate y'all coming on this morning and giving me such a robust conversation about uh DiasporaCon and uh graphic novels so uh I'm gonna make it a point to really push my graphic novel game up I've got a, <laughs> I've got a couple of graphic novels like I've got um Octavia Butler's um Parable of the Sour I'm wearing Arts and Ideas Festival and uh and um thank you to uh uh Marjorie Kaplan for uh uh um graphic novels from um, John Lewis so uh which are which are well done and very nice March yes so from the March thank you yes. Babs thank you I and this this novel the the graphics on this are stunning Juanita <laughs> they are stunning stunning so uh so thank you for uh uh putting this together all right so Saturday April 15 10 to 5 listen the, the weather is going to be nice Bring your kids, because I know you got kids at the house and it's something for the family. Everybody and can it's enjoy. it's spring break, so come on through. So come and on if through. you want to cosplay, you can. Yes, come in costume if you want. <laughs> I got to, now I got to figure out a costume. Like, I need a costume. So, <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for uh, spending this time with me this morning. And uh, I will see you all out here in these uh, cosplay streets. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Ooh.